0: Hi there, and welcome to the Birth Story Therapist Podcast, a safe space for mamas and parents to share their birth stories, discuss common issues experienced with parenting, feel heard and validated, engage in discussion about the complexity of their motherhood journeys and how they manage their mental health along the way. Come here every week to hear from mamas who are just like you, figuring it out one day at a time, Here from myself, Crystal, licensed therapist, host of this podcast, and private practice owner of Southeast Perinatal Counseling. I specialize in maternal mental health, if you haven't guessed already. I'll share helpful tips and techniques to manage your mental health as you navigate motherhood, both in the perinatal and postpartum period, As well as bring on other mamas so you can gain from their history, their stories, maybe some gems that you can apply to your motherhood journey. And of course, I also have on professional in the maternal mental health space that might be able to offer additional techniques and resources to help you along the way. So today's episode is going to be exciting. I met this mom in graduate school and I have no idea about her birth story. So I will be listening and holding space and offering my support Um, Just as you other listeners are, um, as always, this is a safe space to feel heard, um, for there not to be any judgment, for you to find your community in sharing your birth story and feeling validated, and simply put, to just be loved on, um, because again, we so often don't get to share our stories or have them upheld, so I'm honored to be in your company and to have this space to hear your story um, and I would love to jump in but let's start first with who you are tell us a little bit about yourself
1: thank you for having me on um, my name is Kim Yatta I am married to um, my husband Keenan we have our one-year-old daughter she's our first child I um, little background about myself um as you stated before we went to graduate school together um when I got pregnant I stopped working um so I've been a stay-at-home mom since having my daughter um I did recently just get my postpartum doula certification so starting my own business soon is my next um career plan
0: yay and that is so exciting I recently uh, got a duelist certification as well um, for prenatal, postnatal, and um, a bereavement doula. So I'm so excited to you know, be journe- journeying in this with you together since we're both yeah. starting out um, fresh with being a doula. So that is so exciting. Let me ask you, what, what got you motivated to get in that certification?
1: My postpartum experience led me okay. to... this career journey now I can definitely say um because I didn't know anything about postpartum doulas I didn't know that was a thing until right right, after having my daughter
0: okay well I cannot wait until we get to that part of your story so (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited um so share with us yeah let's jump in wherever you'd like to begin with your pregnancy um if you want to go before that you and your partner (laughs) like wherever you'd like to start we'd love to hear
1: okay well my pregnancy was pretty pretty fine um i had like a little bit of morning sickness in the first trimester but once i got into that second trimester everything was was smooth sailing up into delivery didn't have any um it was a vaginal birth um didn't have any complications thank god um didn't tear which was a big thing for me like that was one thing i did not want to do Mm -hmm. in my delivery um but after having her i would say things started to to change like things definitely got real at that point um i'm gonna backtrack a little bit me and my husband like <laughs> our relationship kind of <laughs> shot off really fast like we met we were dating um got official and then like 4 months later i'm pregnant he's from dc and i was living in north carolina so then the decision had to be made of how we, who was going to move so that we could live, be together and have our family. So I decided to move up to Maryland, um, with him. So I left my village at home coming here. Um, I was definitely by myself as far as not having like my own mom, my sister with me. So after having my daughter in Being a first time mom, you have all these like concerns and you're just worried about every, every little thing with having a child. I was like, I don't want to say I was alone because my husband was definitely there. Um, My mother-in-law was here as well. So I had their support. It was just a little different because I didn't have my actual mom and sister up here with me. So uh, with that and just being a first time mom, I had postpartum depression, um, which given the social work background, like I knew that I was going down that path, but at the same time it was like, I didn't recognize it or I refused to recognize it. Um, but talking to my doctor, I, um, got that diagnosis and then I was told, you know, try to get some support, whether that be taking medication or not. I did try taking medication, um, but I definitely stopped taking it. Um maybe I wanna say I gave myself two to three months of taking the medicine. Um I didn't really feel like it helped me, so that's what prompted me to just stop taking the the medication. But um outside of that having my husband here and then my mom would come and she spent like two weeks with me trying to get help me get situated with my new transition of motherhood, it went, it was going pretty okay. Okay.
0: Okay. I can appreciate the fact that you are so transparent with us in sharing. um, The fact that you experienced postpartum. I know that it is, extremely common, but I know that it is also difficult to get care and to um, recognize those signs. So that's exactly where I want to start. You mentioned that you um, left your your support or your community, your village, you said, um, mm-hmm. back at home to move with your now spouse. Let's start with the question of what was it like for you to manage The difficulty of gaining support, right? So you're gaining your partner, you're gaining his village where he's Uh at, his family. But what was it like for you to know that you're walking in uncharted territory with pregnancy and potentially moving into a more serious relationship without your support that you are familiar with, I should say?
1: Yes initially it was very nerve-wracking um i think like the biggest thing at that point was trying to trying to determine who was going to move right so it's mm-hmm. like <laughs> either way one of us had to make this big transition and here i am i was like okay i can just move like i can it would be easy for me to transition jobs or just find something else like it wouldn't be hard right and then it was the other side of me leaving my mom, my sister, and it was like that's who I was around all of my life. Mm-hmm. So then it was it was they understood like, okay, I got I met this great guy. Now we're about to have a family. It was like, okay. She's moving for a good reason. Like it's a, it's a proud moment. However it, it was like, you're leaving me. Mm. I'm leaving them. So it was like it was like a bittersweet um, like you're leaving me, but don't leave me at mm-hmm. the same at the same mm-hmm. time, yeah, so just having to think about like not only just my feelings and what doing what was best for me and thinking about doing what was best for my husband, but it was also like I didn't want to hurt my mom and my sister, like I didn't want them to feel like I was actually going to like leave them entirely, you know, I'm just physically moving to another state. Right. So the, the emotion part of it was very high because me mm-hmm. and my sister, for one, we were, we were, are so close, mm-hmm. and it was just this was the biggest move that we've ever been apart from each other. Mm. That was going to be permanent because <laughs> I wasn't going to move back. Yeah. So just just handling that emotional side of it, just on just thinking about my mom and my sister, it was like okay, like I know this is. It sucks in a sense. However, the bigger picture is I'm I'm gaining another family and I'm about to bring life into the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that yeah. part was just just getting over that, which took a little while because, like, I just I didn't want them to feel any other way but like happiness. Yet I know you're gonna be a little sad because you're not gonna be able to see me every day. Or mm-hmm. every weekend, you know.
0: So what were some things that maybe some other listeners who may be in a situation where they have also experienced a huge life transition, whether it be a move or marriage or pregnancy um, loss or whatever it may be, that you found helpful in staying connected to your support system. So even though physically y'all are miles apart from each other, what do you think helped y'all to remain as close as y'all were, even at a distance? What were some things?
1: What helped us or what really helped me was just FaceTime Text messages, phone calls, keeping that communication open. Mm -hmm. So being I moved, I think I was like maybe five months pregnant when I moved Mm -hmm. to Maryland. So keeping up, like I literally, me and my sister and my mom, we would talk like every day or every other day. Like keeping Mm -hmm. that communication open and then just trying to schedule out um, visits. Yeah. So, being that both my mom and my sister was working, and then when I got he- when I moved to Maryland, I wasn't working. It was like okay, they would pinpoint, figure out, um, like a rotation schedule of who would come and see me what weekend, what month. Mm. So if that was if if that's something that other people can also like try and implement with their family, with their friends, it was very helpful for me.
0: Yeah. A I think the transition. message there that I'm hearing is that while there may be huge life transitions that happen that may cause shifts throughout pregnancy, that may be scary, that may be unfamiliar, that there are ways to still maintain those um, significant connections. Yeah, There are definite, definitely ways to do that. Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to ask you was Um, what were some of the signs you think that you may have initially saw throughout? Was there anything that you saw throughout your pregnancy that may have lended itself to a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder, such as depression or anxiety? Or do you think that there weren't any signs that you picked up on throughout your pregnancy? They presented during postpartum.
1: Um, early on, I wouldn't say I could pinpoint anything. I think just once I got here, once I moved, I could start to see like my mood shift.
0: Mm, okay.
1: To where I wasn't as happy, or mm-hmm. I would have moments of where I would just cry. I'm like, dang, I miss my mom. I miss my sister. Like nothing here is is normal to me. Yeah. Like I have my mother-in-law to reach out to, but that's not my mom. Right So it's like not really enjoying the connections that I could have had early mm-hmm. on when I first moved just just, yeah, I would say that would be not one of the signs of, that you
0: may have saw, okay, yeah, yeah, you know what's interesting about that is, um, I think that throughout much of my life until I got into this line of work as a therapist, I had no idea. And we really don't hear many people talk about pregnancy related signs and symptoms. We more so hear about baby blues and postpartum. And so I think this is beautiful in the sense that you're bringing awareness through this episode um, for moms to also consider those signs and symptoms that they might be experiencing throughout their pregnancy, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that's very important because it's oftentimes missed um, mm-hmm. throughout pregnancy and later um, caught sometimes, right? Sometimes it yeah. is during postpartum. Um, but by that point, it's it's possible that it's, intensified or, um, exactly. there's been a increase because of the duration of the symptoms. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can appreciate the fact that you share that. Cause that was something that, um, is definitely a message, um, to yeah. listeners, to myself, to you, a constant reminder to, you know, look for things that are, um, huge shifts, <laughs> you know, you weren't experiencing that when you were back home around family, around your familiar familiarity, um, but when things change, it's important to look at those different things. So I appreciate you sharing that. Definitely. Once you moved there and kind of got your footing and got on your way, talk with me about, um, I know you didn't have any issues throughout your pregnancy as it relates to like medical concerns, but talk with me a little bit about like just navigating um, your pregnancy. Remind me, did you get, were you pregnant throughout the pandemic or did you give birth? Before no, the pandemic? I had
1: just had her you
0: had just had, I had her I
1: literally just had her before the world just shut down
0: before the world shut down okay yeah. <laughs> yeah so talk with me a little bit about navigating um like resources so we're talking about support in terms of like personal support family friends and and those things that you may have left back in North Carolina but being up in Maryland what resources do you think that were helpful for you throughout your pregnancy. I know we started the episode talking about how you're now getting your doula certification or have your doula doula certification. What about those resources did you see throughout your pregnancy that you felt like were extremely helpful or now that you have delivered um, and are in the throes of motherhood now are like, man, I wish I knew about that. Like that could have been so great for me throughout my pregnancy or maybe even some that you tried out that were unhelpful. Share with us a little bit about those resources.
1: One big resource, prenatal yoga or like getting massages. Those were the two most (laughs) helpful things for me with, with with like trying to stay in a peaceful, calm, Mm. like just mentally, just, and physically just staying in a calm state. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I mentioned before, like just, Feeling that mood shift once I moved, it was like okay, I know something is off, and then like stress level will go up. So trying to find things that could keep me at a peaceful, calm state that was my biggest thing up until having her, and mm-hmm. then once, and then once I gave birth, um, learning about pelvic floor specialist um, mm. that was a big thing for me. Because I needed help. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was having too much pain, like, couldn't lift my leg up to put my pants on, like, it was hurting. I need to figure out, like, what was going on with all of that. So, Mm -hmm. um, getting resources about that was helpful. Just talking to other moms, Mm -hmm. having, like, those new mom support groups, that was a um, a great thing for me because it's almost like you're a new mom. Like, you think, or at least I thought, like, certain things it's just beneficial to know that other people are going through or have right. been through something similar to you. So mm-hmm. you have someone that's more relatable that you can talk to. Cause I did have my husband yet. He's not a, he's a man. He don't, right. <laughs> not going to give birth. He doesn't get it. So it was very helpful to be able to talk to other moms. Yeah. I think those were the only things that were beneficial to me. I think I'm learning more now since I went through my doula certification. Mm-hmm. So and seeking out and trying to see what else is out there so that I can help other new moms or just parents with multiples in general. Mm-hmm. I'm learning more now Yeah, about what else is out there. I can appreciate
0: those resources that you mentioned, though. Um, you know, I went through a yoga certifications to help moms. I'm um, in the oh. prenatal and postnatal period. And I can attest that, yes. It is extremely helpful, not just for you physically, but mentally as well. Um, but you also bring up uh, the the physical aspect of you having difficulty, like. Um, like lifting your leg during the postpartum stage and just getting around of some sort. That's mm-hmm. also something that we don't talk a whole lot about unless you are doing the work or you have had a child and you had those experiences. But sometimes as a new mom, and I can speak also in a moment of transparency, I had no idea about a pelvic floor specialist or a, you know, like all these different resources, or maybe I needed physical therapy after Um, all these different resources that could have been beneficial to me. I had no idea to like put them in my toolbox and right. to, you know, have them on my Rolodex, <laughs> the Rolodex I that I, that my Nana used to use back in the day, to have them ready to call should I need them. And so I can appreciate, again, you mentioning those things because they might be helpful for a mom who's listening.
1: Definitely. I felt like that's something my doctor OBGYN, somebody should have told me about a pelvic floor specialist like a yeah. long time ago because, mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: that's that. That's the beautiful thing about us sharing our stories. Exactly what you said. You know, you think you're going through it alone, um, but you hear someone else, and they're like, "Yeah, me too." Um, mm-hmm. which is why this is so incredibly important for you to be sharing with us. Um, yes, talk but with us anybody, about your yes. delivery. How 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 was that? What happened? Who was there? How did it go?
1: <laughs> so my delivery, I had to. I ended up having to be induced. Um, okay. Because my baby, she just did not want to come on time.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I had to get induced. Um, my husband, his mother, my mom, and my father in law were all in the room. Okay. When I um gave birth. So you know how you have your own plan, <laughs> your birth mm-hmm. plan, how you want things to go. But you know, up into the delivery room, like you just you don't know what's going to happen. So my original goal was to do everything natural, right? Mm-hmm. That was not my ultimate. I did not getting that pitocin. Jesus, I was like, okay, yeah, no, I need, I need some type of pain relief. So I ended up getting the epidural, mm-hmm. uh, which which worked perfectly fine. So gave birth. It was. It was. It wasn't as. I don't want to say painful as I thought it would be. Um, It was a beautiful thing to me. I I will say that it didn't take me long to push. um, When I say not long, I mean less than an hour of pushing um, for her to come out. My mother and my mother-in-law, they were very good supports. My husband, (laughs) he... You, you don't think about like you don't hear much about like the spouses, the partners, what they go through while you're while they are watching their loved one give birth. Whether mm-hmm. it's perfectly fine or something pops up to where you have to have an emergency C-section or anything of that nature. So my husband was definitely trying to keep himself calm and make sure I was OK. But he was actually, you know, we had conversations after and it was eye-opening just to hear him talk about what he witnessed in his own shoes about what I was going through with giving birth yeah and he did an awesome job I will say that so everything went fine um so good to the point where we (laughs) we will be having another child at some point um because I was saying how the first it depended on how the first one went but everything went went very well, yeah, Hearing yeah her bring yeah. her out into the world like it was the most amazing experience I've had in my life i'll I'll say that seeing her eyes, she was eyes wide open, fresh into the room, her eyes was wide open, <laughs> she was very <laughs> alert already, mm-hmm. yeah, you know the beautiful
0: thing about um what you shared I actually have um, two two comments and questions um, is the remark that you made about your partner right and I am there with you when you say we don't oftentimes consider you know the effect of birth and labor on partners mm-hmm. um, but it is huge it is quite heavy so much so that we know that dads and partners also experience, Heart, natal mood and anxiety disorders yeah um, like one in ten um, so I mean it's I think it's incredibly important and it's a, a highlight that I'm glad that you brought up um, to check in with dads um
1: definitely.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you think about um, the types of check-ins that typically happen, I mean, you have nurses, you have specialists, you have doctors, you have all of these different people flooding in and out of the room, not to mention family and friends who are quick to say, you know, how are you doing? Is there anything I can get for you? Is there anything that I can do? How is baby? How much did he or she weigh? Blah, 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 blah. The list goes on. But who is checking in with our partners? Uh, So I think that's a really important message for us to all take away. Um, As you mentioned, growing your family in the future, we too are considering growing our family. And um, I know that it is important for our spouses to be um, checked on um, because they do endure a lot. And a lot of times it is being the strong one of the two, right? Mm -hmm. They see you in so much pain and they're having to hold themselves together sometimes. Um, Right. Just to save to save your emotions. Um, So that that's one thing that I wanted to say. The other thing that I wanted to to ask is you mentioned that you had a plan. We all have a plan when we go into that room. (laughs) Expectations. Talk with me a little bit about two things. Where do you think that? Where do you think your expectations came from to formulate your birth plan or the ideas that you had around your birth? And then, once your birth plan deviated from what you desired, how did you manage those expectations?
1: Okay, so I would say my original um, expectation, my idea. Of my birth plan, it just came from listening to like, I was able to witness my sister give birth to one of my nieces. So just watching her and see what she went through and then just doing my own research Mm -hmm. and which prompted me to want to have a natural birth because my plan was, you know, breastfeeding. That's what I wanted to do. So I knew getting the epidural would kind of slow the process in my mind of how things would just naturally flow once I had her and then wanted to be able to breastfeed. And then the other the other like possible things that could go wrong with getting the epidural. Like I wanted to avoid all of that, but that totally changed once once I started feeling those contractions and that Pitocin kicked in, it changed my whole perspective. Um so just looking experiencing observing my sister give her birth to my one of my nieces and then just doing my own research I wanted to kind of just stick to the natural natural route but it changed um and once I realized it was like okay I need something so that I can have enough energy to push when the time came so I was like okay I just told my husband and I told my mom like I don't think I can continue trying to just get through this pain on my own and my mom was definitely like no that's not your plan like this is what you wanted to do I'm like but no mom <laughs> this pain is too much for me like I need to kind of get all the energy be able to rest so that when I'm when it's time to start pushing like I can push and everything or at least I would try to have everything smooth, smooth for myself yeah. and my yeah. husband was like Whatever you want to do, like, um, I support you 100%. So it made it easy for me to having him like, okay, whatever you want to do, like, if you feel that's, that's the best thing for you to do at this moment, I'm behind you 100%. So having him support my decision um, led me to like, okay, let's let's plan to get this epidural because I need something. Yeah. So even when though it the, wasn't my plan just having him back me up on it <laughs> gave me the all the courage I needed to just go ahead and do it and not be Yeah, you know you know what's enough.
0: interesting about what you're saying is uh I heard two things I heard your support system, your mom saying, no, this, this is what you wanted. This is, this mm-hmm. is. And it, it's so interesting because we always say, or we typically say, you know, it's so important to have that person in the room who's going to advocate for, you know, what you want. And so you had that. But on the other side, you also had your husband who was also advocating for you to listen to your body and to like do whatever it is that you needed to do physically physically Emotionally and mentally. And I feel like that is the greatest of both worlds that you could have had (laughs) in your, you know, to allow you to have like a full spectrum of all of your options as opposed to thinking I only have to sit here and endure this pain or I needed to go ahead and get this epidural. Um, Mm -hmm. So I can hear both and I hear like such amazing support systems. (laughs) That's what I hear. Um, yeah. the other thing that I was going to mention is the fact that you did listen to your body. And like how often are we encouraged to do that? Um so I just wanted to be able to recognize the fact that you know I heard you honoring your your body throughout your birth story and um it's just a reminder to all of us to to be present with whatever our needs are and to not judge ourselves for um, deviating if we need to deviate because there's absolutely exactly. nothing wrong with that, right?
1: Right. That was the biggest yeah. thing for me. That's why I said like having his having my husband also say, okay, if that's what you feel is best for you, just go ahead and do it because it was like I know that's not my plan. That's not what I wanted to do. Yeah. So I was always like disappointing myself before I even made the, the decision to get the epidural. It was like just having that mm-hmm. thought alone. I was like, dang, Kim, like that's not what you wanted to do, like. Yeah.
0: All yeah. the things
1: going through my mind, like, okay, if I get this epidural, this could happen. This If I move wrong, like, this could happen. And it was just, like, so many negative things coming into my mind. It was like, no. Like, I'm listening to my body. This is what I need to do mm-hmm. for me and for my baby. So I had to make the best decision for myself.
0: Yeah.
1: I and can appreciate I, it. I, 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 I can mind. appreciate it.
0: Um, And, again, it is... It's so important for us to know that like that judgment, that uh self-critic, mm-hmm. all of those things, they I mean, before our child is even on Earth side with us, we get hit with those internal messages from yes. the beginning. <laughs> from the beginning <laughs> of conception to labor yes, and delivery is. throughout your pregnancy, obviously in motherhood. And so I think that that's also a reminder to just be mindful of um being overly critical or judgmental Mm -hmm. of the decisions that you make in the moment because you're doing what you need in that moment. Um, So thank you for sharing that for sure. Thank you so
1: much. No problem. Um, Give yourself grace, ladies.
0: Yes, grace. I love talking on here about self-compassion. Yes, that is incredibly important. And speaking of grace and self-compassion, talk with us a little bit about what that postpartum Um, period look like for you in the very beginning. And so we know that there's obviously a typical adjustment period that moms go through and and partners go through as well. We also know about baby blues, which can sometimes last up to two weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, But then we know that going beyond two weeks into a month, we're starting to question whether or not it is a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. And it's important Mm -hmm. to get connected with a provider who. Can spot these signs and symptoms and screen. Where do you think you fell within that time frame, um, that period, maybe signs um, that you saw or maybe others saw that gave you the indication that I need to get connected? That's question number one. Question number two is how were you mentally, in terms of, or even emotionally, in terms of getting connected? Uh, were there any biases, or were there any um, hesitations towards getting connected?
1: <laughs> I would say, I I could tell something was I was going through more than the baby blues before my before my six weeks um, mm. appointment. Like okay. I had already started to talk to my husband about like how I was feeling Mm -hmm. because you know well everyone's experiences symptoms will be different however for me it was it was the it was the crying it was the not feeling as connected as I thought I would feel to my Mm -hmm. daughter um because I wanted to breastfeed so figuring out my problems with breastfeeding, um, that not going well, that was laying on me. So then it was, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to move. I don't want to interact with my daughter. I don't want to eat, leave me alone. So it kept just escalating more, um, up into my six weeks appointment, checkup. And then just, you know, you go, you have to do the questionnaire Just reading the questions and having to answer and answering truthfully, not being afraid to hear like, okay, Camyatta, you scored very high. I knew it was coming. So it was just like, okay, being honest with myself, I'm being honest with my doctor. So this is what it is. So Mm. what she told me and I was like, I know, like I already knew this prior to coming. She was like, okay, well, I want you to talk to someone so she made that next referral for me um so then it was like okay that appointment ends my husband asked me how to go because you know at this point he can't come into the appointment with me no one no one could so having to talk to him like okay this is what she recommends um this is the next step so it was like for me hearing it out loud was like i knew it But I also, it was still a point of me like, no, I'm okay. Like, I don't need to go to this appointment. I don't need to take this prescription. I'll be okay. That was my initial, like after my my six-week checkup, that that was where my mindset was. So I didn't go to that appointment, which was scheduled for the following week. I didn't go because it was just like, okay, I don't need to. I'm going to be okay. I can get through this. And I would say... Two weeks after that it was like no. Things were not getting better for me. And then you know you start to have the well, I started to have those thoughts like what did I do? Like mm. why did I make the right choice? Why did I do this to myself? Like I don't like it. I don't like who I'm who I'm seeing in the mirror. It was like I have to get some help cuz this is not the way that I want the rest of my time to go as far as like getting through the fourth trimester. Yeah. Like I wanted it to be a lot better. So it was like, okay, let me just reach out and see how it goes. Because something has to be better than what I'm experiencing right now. And I won't know unless I put in the work and actually make that first step. Mm -hmm. So just making that first step led to me getting the prescription and just taking it and seeing how it goes. Also just leaning more on my support my support being my husband my support being my mother-in-law mm-hmm. because not only is it like just me trying to parent trying to get breastfeeding under control it's like there's other things in the home as a wife like there's other duties you have to do in a sense yeah. so it was like just leaning on my support letting my husband know what i needed not ex not expecting him to just read my mind and just do things <laughs> that he don't even know that I need. So just mm. communicating more with him about what I needed, and giving him the actual time to like learn and adjust as well, because we're both adjusting and learning how to be new parents. Mm-hmm. That gave yeah. me that grace period. Like you, you got to give it to yourself because I was very, very hard on myself in the beginning of my expectations and the way that I wanted things to go. So learning life happens. We have to be, This is these are the cars you're dealt with. And these are reaching out and learning your resources to help you get to where you want to be is the best thing that you can do for yourself. When you find yourself facing different transitions or your plan not going the way that you wanted to go, taking that initial step to seeing what's out there, who can help you figure things out. Is, is very beneficial. Yeah,
0: first let me say, I appreciate the vulnerability um, in you sharing. Um, I know that it sometimes is difficult for me to re-share parts of my story. And so if you are experiencing that as well, um, I just want to encourage you and to acknowledge the fact that we are all sitting here uplifting you um, as you do share. Um, it's powerful to hear your story um, because there is power in it. Um, yeah, I'm just sitting here in awe listening to um, you having had symptoms. You, you knew what the doctor was going to say. The interesting part that you mentioned, I guess, at the beginning was that fear that you may have felt about disclosing truthfully mm-hmm. on that um I would imagine it might have been a PHQ-9, maybe it was the Edinburgh scale, um, but to disclose truthfully how you were doing and to possibly be told you scored high, I think that that's something that a lot of moms deal with when they go into that six-week postpartum visit. Um,
1: I'm not sure. knowing,
0: and again, that goes back to the stigma surrounding mental health and just not a lot of providers having knowledge or offices having knowledge of what to do after you see a mom who has screened high and what i'm talking about is the fear that women go through um or birthing people go through with regard to oh my goodness is my baby gonna be taken away oh my goodness right. are they gonna just like put me on meds but i don't want to be on meds or are they gonna like lock me away somewhere um so that is a very real fear and i want to acknowledge it and um I have women in my private practice who say the exact same thing. Like that is why it's so incredibly important for you to trust your provider, for you to find a provider who is a good fit, um, right. that has a culture where they are very empathetic, non-judgmental, but most importantly, they know <laughs> what to do with these screening tools and they're not just like calling DSS or DFACs to like get your baby taken away because that is not what is supposed to happen. At all, um, and so that's something that I do want to to be able to acknowledge. The other thing that I found very interesting that you shared was um, that there were certain parts where you were like, "I don't, I'm not going to go. I am going to go." Yes, um, you definitely. didn't show up. <laughs> um, and in the medication itself, talk with me more a little bit about like what allowed you to. Um, take that prescription and take that medication. Because I know that in some cultures, in some um, aspects, society has this belief or idea out there, these um, very heavy um, judgments about taking medication, specifically psychotropic medication. And so if you had any of those beliefs and you feel comfortable letting us in on those things um, with regard to medication, um, share with us a little bit about that and like really what allowed you um, to actually take that prescription, go get it filled and start taking medication.
1: Honestly, it was just me wanting to be 100% honest with myself. I'm a very spiritual person, so mm-hmm. it's like okay, me me having these signs, going through these emotions, it's like me praying like I need help. I need mm-hmm. something and the only way I can get it is if I'm 100% honest with me, I'm mm-hmm. 100% honest with my 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 healthcare team, my support system around me. Because that's the only way I'm going to really get what I am in dire need of. Yeah. Because I was definitely in a dark space. Yeah. And this is supposed to be a happy time. This is supposed to be, I'm a new mom. Like my baby, she's adorable. Like this is me. Like I'm supposed to be happier, but I'm not happy. Like, I'm um, angry um I'm sad all the time like I don't want don't touch me I don't want her touching me I didn't want my husband touching me it was just I didn't like that version of me so it was just okay Kim you have to do something here are your options Mm. so it was like okay taking I want to see what this let me let me see how this prescription works let me see what it does for me so it was like okay I will say like, you have that, that the stigma is definitely a thing like, ah, I'm not crazy. I don't need mm-hmm. this, like, but clearly, no, I'm not crazy, but however this is something that I do need because mm-hmm. nothing that I'm doing right now at this moment is working. So I need to try something else that could help me get to where I know I can be. Yeah. So I was like, okay, let me go and get this prescription. and. Let's see how it works. I know for me, it was just being honest with myself and talking to my husband. Like at first he didn't really understand like the medication side of it. Like you don't need, like he even said, you don't need that medicine. Like, Mm. why don't you try something natural? That was another thing. And it was like, okay, talking to him more, like reading up on the medication, like how can it actually help? This is what it, This is what it's going to do. So having him and talking to him and reading up on it was another thing that helped me as well with releasing the whole thought of the stigma and not caring about what anybody else had to say um, because it was just, it's me. It's what I'm going through. This is what I feel is going to be the best thing for me to do at this time so that I give my daughter the best version of me.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then that just, and I, and I stuck with that. Like that's, that is what I played in my mind. It's like, I'm doing what is best for me. And I'm also doing what is best for my daughter. She deserves to see the best mom, not this Mm -hmm. mom. So anything that I can do to help her see that best part of me, that's what I'm gonna do. And so I reached back out to my OBGYN, got connected, Got the prescription and I started to take it, yeah, and i and I stuck with it until I felt like I didn't need it anymore,
0: right, and what yeah. helped me
1: not what helped me not need it anymore was also implementing other like self care tools um mm-hmm. learning how to navigate through when I feel like my anxiety is creeping up or if or if I feel like I'm like going back, I'm being too hard on myself. I'm going back down. Like these are things I would journal. I would exercise. I would listen to certain music, you know, implementing other things to help me get through the groove of the roller coaster that I was going through in the beginning.
0: Yeah. And that's what I was just about to ask. Did you seek any counseling or any therapy or did you rely on spirituality? Um, it definitely sounds like you had some different um, coping skills and self-care um, techniques already in your toolbox, Was but was there anything outside um, of yourself that you were already aware of that you also utilized in addition to medication?
1: Outside of medication, I just had those-
0: Those personal needed, tools that you utilized. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that, that that's also a really good um, a really good point to highlight is the fact that we all have um, experiences that we go go through throughout life where we have been in places maybe not the same but similar. Um, in that they may have been dark periods, there may have been periods where we may have experienced depressive symptoms or episodes or anxiety, and we've been able to pull through and be resilient. And so, relying on what worked before, right? Like it already sounds like you had those things in your toolbox, especially since you didn't, you know, utilize any um, external resource. Um, that's just something that I wanted to highlight that we 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 all go through things. Um, that we can rely on from the past that may help us in the present, Um, in addition to using resources like medication and therapy. Um, Mm -hmm. There was something else that you mentioned. It was about your partner or your husband. And you said that, um, uh, what did you say? Oh, you said that you would actually tell him and share with him and express to him your needs as opposed to just thinking he knew. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. And I feel like that's something that um, I know I struggled with um, during that postpartum period, um, where I would, moment of transparency here, be angry or experience rage, um, because I expected him to know that I was experiencing X, Y, and Z, like frustrated about this. Having anxiety around that and um, needed help with this, uh, and I expected him to know these things, and it that created, um, at least in our situation, a um, a bit of some some tension in that postpartum period throughout our our marriage. And um, luckily, you know, I figured out a way to communicate and to express those needs, but again it was around the time where I was diagnosed with postpartum anxiety. And so I, it all goes back to you know, getting the importance of getting a diagnosis or the importance of getting um, some clarification on what exactly is going on with your situation as opposed to just seeing these signs and symptoms, but not addressing them. You know, or not getting to the root cause of what may be there that needs attention.
1: Does that make sense? It definitely makes sense because not only was it just me going through just being a new mom and trying to navigate that, he was a trigger. Like certain things he mm-hmm. would do would trigger me. So getting that diagnosis, understanding what triggers yeah. you is very important. And knowing that my husband was a trigger. I would do, it would have been a disservice to me if I didn't communicate with him. Yep. 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 As my partner, like he, I, I had to help him help me help us. Right.
0: (laughs) I love that. I, I, listen, you are dropping gems throughout this entire episode and I can appreciate, um, I can appreciate them. And I mean, I'm telling you listeners all the time, write me or like call and say like, Crystal, oh my goodness. Like I was reflecting back on my own experiences and here I am doing the exact same thing. So I'm so appreciative to have you sharing. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you um, once you were in a place where there was some stabilization, and you got off medication, um, how did that adjustment period look for you? Were there any things that you saw um, that may have been helpful for you to be able to like stabilize and like stay off medication, or to like not have to seek any additional uh, resources such as therapy or whatever the case may be, what do you think? Um, I know you mentioned self care, but where there is there anything outside of self care that really allowed you to um, get your footing outside of being on medication?
1: I had to let go my expectations in a sense of being perfect or doing everything well Mm. like to the best of my ability like (laughs) letting go of that helped me with everything else because nothing what nothing was already going the way that I wanted it to go right so why keep this same thought process about how things should go. Right, so it was like just letting letting that go and just knowing that I'm not perfect, I am human. However, that doesn't mean that I'm a bad mom. That doesn't mean that I'm a bad wife, a bad person. Like mm-hmm. things are going to happen and it's okay. Navigate through that, realize your resources and just continue to move forward. With everything. And that really helped me. So I think just having that mindset. And then I didn't stop cold turkey. Mm-hmm. With the, with my um, prescription. Right. So right. yeah. I was not about to stop cold turkey. Because I was. I don't think that would have went well for me. Right. <laughs> so yeah. just yeah. gradually. Gradually um, reducing. My medicine is what I did along with continuing to understand my triggers, continue to daily do like at least one self-care thing Mm -hmm. um, a day was very helpful for me and just keeping my communication open with my husband Mm -hmm. as far as my needs, because I mean, it could possibly change week to week, day to day. So just being completely open with him, Mm-hmm. and him being the good guy that he is <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually like just, and I say that because it's like, you can have a conversation with someone, but if they don't really take the time to understand mm-hmm. what you are saying and what you're going through, then you you're faced with a whole nother challenge right. within, right. That, within yourself because you have this, your, your life partner, with you, and it's like, I'm going through these things. This is what I'm experiencing. This is what I need. And then, if he would have hit me with the, I just don't get it. Like, you're fine. Why are you making this a big deal? Mm-hmm. That would have sparked something else. But he actually took the time to try and really understand yeah what I was going through. I'm like, okay, if this is what you need, this is what I'm going to do. Just yeah. give me time because I'm not going to be perfect in the <laughs> beginning. Just give me time, but I will get there. Because I want to help you get through what you're going through.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful.
1: And um,
0: I think if there's one message that I take from that, (laughs) it is, or a dream that you're dropping is the importance of having people in your corner, regardless if you are connected with someone who is serving in a capacity of support to you. If they are not there, understanding you, being empathetic, being non-judgmental, if they're not in a place where they are able to meet your needs the way that you need for your needs to be met, so not the way that they want to,
1: <laughs> exactly, <It's not laughs> um, about them.
0: then it may be important for you to find your village elsewhere. Um, and it sounds like you had yours, and it sounds like your spouse was amazing. And um, trying to figure out you know, what this is that you were going through, um, that the family was going through and that he was going to be there every step of the way. So that's, that's beautiful to hear because not everybody has that. And I know that there are listeners who are in single family households um, with them and their littles and they're wondering like, how the heck do I get this support? And it's out there, you know, like we think of family, Um, just in like the construct of what we know family is, but family can look many different ways. It could be your friends, right? right? Like your support can be outside of your partner. If need be it, maybe it's not your mom. Maybe it is your mother-in-law. You know what I mean? It could look so many different ways. I appreciate you sharing that because that just reinforces the message to, um, find your people, find your people. Please, What's something, um, Kimyata, that you found out about yourself now that you are in the thick of motherhood (laughs) that you had no idea
1: about? That's a good question, Crystal. Um, (laughs) I guess I would just say... I was never put in a position where I had to advocate for myself as much as I had to after having my daughter, like being in motherhood. Like I never had to advocate for myself as much like, girl, this is what you need. Speak up, say this is what you need and be okay with it and not worry about the judgment that may come Mm. from from the decisions that you make. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing for me because yeah, from having her to having pain and not knowing why the heck I have this pain. And then you have, (laughs) I had one doctor tell me like, oh, it just could be some inflammation, take some Tylenol, you'll be okay. And it was like, no, that's not working. It's something else. So still pushing and not just because it's a doctor and they know what's best. Like, no, I know what's best. I know what I'm experiencing. So continuing to fight for myself and being 100% honest with myself, like, about what I needed and leading up to taking the prescription to help me with my depression. It was like, I would say that's the, yeah, seeing myself, like, looking back on it now, reflecting and like, okay, yeah, advocating for myself and just going out there, just doing it just getting the help that I need. Like, I'm very proud of myself for not just sitting on my hands and not doing anything. Yeah.
0: That is something to pat yourself on the back for. Right. And to, to honor. Um, because it, it one is motivation two its courage. Right. Like, I mean, there's so much resiliency. There's so much built into that. Um, I, I think that it's, amazing the fact that you have figured out a way to advocate for yourself because this is such a a time where I often in this again moment of transparency where we do sometimes lose our voice and we don't necessarily know what is best for us in the throes of pregnancy and motherhood and postpartum and uh, this unfamiliar territory of being a new mom or a first-time mom um. Yeah, I love that Is there anything that we did not Discuss that you think Would be important for A
1: mom to hear? No, I would just go back to Just advocate for yourself Be honest with Where you are right now mm-hmm. Seek support If One person is not responding the way that you need them to to help you find someone else. Don't give up on yourself because ultimately you know what is best for you or at least you're trying to make that step to figure out what's the best way to handle whatever it is that you're going through. So don't give up on yourself just because you haven't met the right person that is understanding where you are right now. Continue to push to get to where you want to be.
0: I love it. I love it. That was so great. Um, Is there any um, Instagram, email, website where people can find you if they want to connect with you in the Maryland DMV, you know, that area for doula services or any other work that you're doing? Or would you like for me to put that in the show notes?
1: You can put it in the show notes, um, okay. but I also, I have created my doula Instagram is at hidden prints, L-L-C, hidden H-I-D-D-E-N, prints with an S, L-L-C. Um, my personal Instagram is at shefearless. That's Yay. where you can find me.
0: Good, good. Okay. And I'll, I'll have you send that over to me so that I can put that in the show notes as well. I listen, we are over an hour and I could probably stay for longer because (laughs) there's so much that, man, that I love talking with moms about with regard to motherhood and our stories. Um, We could write chapters. I know I've said it so many times since becoming a mom, but just sitting across from another mom and hearing stories, it just brings up so much that um, I want to dive deeper into. Um, So I appreciate this moment. I appreciate this space that we have had together. And, you know, if there's ever a point where you feel like, you want to come back and share any more gems from motherhood, this is a safe place for you to return, Kimyata. And um, I appreciate you so much for being transparent. I appreciate
1: you, Crystal. This is an awesome platform that you've created. I am so yeah. very proud of the days when we were in graduate school to now. <laughs> you are doing amazing things. You are an inspiration to me to keep, Going forward, even though I've had my two year work free (laughs) life right now, but I'm definitely you are definitely encouraging me to continue. I really appreciate that.
0: Yeah, that and, you know, the thing about motherhood that I love is it connects women in so many different ways. And so, you know, we're here connecting so that you can share your story. But now I got you as a referral source for if I get anybody who's in the DMV area and I'm like, go to Kimyata for doula services. So that's what we're here for, to like lean on each other not just through the tough times, but also um, to lift one another up as we have our wins and success. So... Yay. I'm so excited for you and your journey. And um, I'll be sure to link everything um, so that people can reach out to you and get in contact with you. Okay. That would be awesome. Yay. Well, you take care. I appreciate you so much. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. As always, it's important for me to know that this podcast... Does not replace being connected or receiving therapeutic services from a licensed mental health clinician. If you are experiencing a life threatening emergency, please call 911 or go to your local emergency room. You can also find additional resources on episode two, one being postpartum.net, where you can get connected with support groups as well as therapists, psychiatrists, other providers within your community that may be of service to you on your motherhood journey. Again, that resource is postpartum.net, but you can find additional ones on episode two. Thank you.